Hello, hello, everyone. This is uh, Rick Napier, the founder at Real People USA. It is Friday, October 15th. It's about 5.30 on the West Coast in the morning. Today's podcast topic is only when a GOP candidate treats the campaign run like a business, will the GOP candidate win the race? So, yes, looking at this situation with this campaigning, Over the last probably 16 months, maybe two years, maybe three years, if I look at what's been happening in California and the candidates running here in California. And then about uh, 12 months ago, let's say a year and a half ago, I began to look at candidates who are running in different places like New York, um, Arizona, uh, Florida, Georgia, Maryland. And I've come to the conclusion that the GOP candidate does not treat the race like a business. Now, I must say, if you try to compare how GOP candidates run and how Democrats run, it's like apples and oranges or a strawberry and an onion. There's no comparison. And the reason why Democrats don't need to campaign like GOP candidates. Uh, Democrats get their campaign monies from uh, big unions, big tech, major corporations. And uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a different, it's, it's almost like um, for Democrats, it's who do they want to win? So they'll put the person up that they want to win, regardless if the people running in the Democrat uh, primary or good or not, they've uh, <clears throat> they've already selected their golden child. So they put all their money behind their golden child, and then the Republicans uh, have their candidates, and they're not getting big donations. You know, like twenty five thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, like uh, the GOP, and primarily it's because the rules do not allow a GOP candidate to get that much money from individuals. So you have to move up to the PACs and the super PACs, as I understand it. Um, I'm open to correction if I'm wrong. So the GOP candidate essentially has to run his or her campaign like a business. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast episode today. So what am I seeing out there that tells me the GOP candidate is not running the campaign like a business? Well, the first thing that I see is that GOP candidates are not developing a a base of voters. Um, They will go out and and talk to people in conference rooms and uh, make their pitches to you know, five, you know, 50 people, 100, 200 people, then they will get off the stage, shake hands, hugs, you know, maybe put some checks in their pocket, maybe you know, check their, their donation page later on that evening to see how many people donated. And maybe that number is a great number, I'm not sure. Uh, doesn't really matter, the number's great in terms of establishing a voter base. Uh, Establishing a voter base 
with a business is entirely different, or I should say it's essential for the business owner to establish a contact base just as much as it should be essential for the GOP candidate to establish a voter base. When you contrast what the business owner must do to grow the business, there is a wide disparity between what the small business owner must do to grow the business and what the GOP candidate needs to do to grow the business. So that's the first one, contacting. There's there's not a lot of contacting magic with the GOP candidates. For some reason, they believe that these contacts will magically appear on voting day. You know, right when it's time to vote, whether it's by mail or it's uh, in person, uh, somehow the GOP candidate believes that these people are going to vote because they've gotten this money and maybe they had a, a pretty decent crowd. And we're not talking about the Trump type stuff. We're talking about the, the GOP candidate running in Arizona or Florida or Texas or Idaho or Washington. Uh, so that's one of the first things that GOP candidates um, need to work on, need to work on developing this, this pledged voter base. And it's so important now, more so than any other time in our, in our election history. And the reason why it's important now is because we know that the Democrats will cheat. And you got to ask yourself this question, why do Democrats need to cheat? You would think that their platform uh, of helping America should be good enough. I mean, you know, if you put product A out next to product B and you have people choose which is the best product, people will make their, their decision about which is the best product or service based on benefits and features. And if you look at the Republican, you know, benefits and features, and you look at the Democrat benefit and features, you know, a wise person would say, okay, well, I choose maybe the Republican benefit and feature, you know, uh, display versus the Democrat uh, benefit and feature display. Or the person may say the Democrat benefit and features are far superior than the Republican benefit and feature. And if, the, and if that's the case, there would be no need for cheating. There would be no need to have, you know, several million people come across the border for the sole purpose of changing the election. There would be no need to, <laughs> to, to inject, to force people to inject themselves with some unknown chemical and knowing that a percentage of people will not do it cause them to lose their jobs and lose their livelihoods. There is no reason to have shutdowns that's going to affect people's communities. It's going to uh, negatively impact small business owners uh, like here in California and probably places like New York City. There's no reason to do that if, you know, if, if these are good things. So, so the point I'm trying to get at, and I was getting kind of off the, off the trail a little bit, was the Democrat benefit and features are no longer desirable for people. 
And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm, I'm, I vote Republican. I'm just saying looking at the looking at product A and product B. It's that simple. You know, and I, I like to tell people and I'm, I'm digressing a little bit because I got to get this off my chest. I was telling someone the other day on a local California radio station, I call into a station about a couple of times a week here in Northern California. And I was telling the host that 20, 25 years ago, people did not lose much if their guy or, or gal did not win. So if a Republican's choice in the election did not come through, like the Republican did not win, the Republican did not lose any major lifestyle. You know, the Republican voter may have been, oh, my person didn't win. The guy or the gal I wanted to win didn't did not win. So therefore, gosh, I'm upset about it. But I'm going on vacation. I got a job. You know, I got I got money in the bank. Um, my kids are doing fine. They're being educated in school. You know, no big deal. The same thing can be said if the Democrat voter, if their guy or gal lost. So if the Democrat saw a Democrat candidate lose and the Republican won, yeah, the Democrat voter is going to be upset, kicking the can, cursing, whatever. But the Democrats live did not change. We're talking 20, 25 years ago. The Democrat went on to do what, what Democrats do, work, raise their families, go on vacations, and just complain about the Republican candidate. I mean, that's what both sides do. No problem, 20, 25 years ago. Now, you have this scenario where if, and I'm talking, this is the reality, because I'm, I'm right here at ground zero in California. So now, when the Republican candidate loses and the Democrat candidate wins by cheating, <laughs> there was a major lifestyle shift. Just look at the San Francisco Bay Area and New York City. But since I'm out here on the West Coast, not living not too far from San Francisco, I got to tell you that 56% of the people that live in the San Francisco Bay Area that's about six to eight million people, depending on where you draw the boundaries of the San Francisco Bay Area, 56% of the people plan on moving within the next two years. If in terms of households, that's about two million households that plan on living on, on leaving the San Francisco Bay Area, which extends as far south as San Jose, California, as far north as maybe uh, Santa Rosa, California, as far east as Dublin and Pleasanton, California. Okay. And maybe Fairfield, Vacaville, California. So we're talking six to eight million people uh, that plan on moving. And that's in households, that's about 1.82 million people or 2 million households that plan on leaving. Back to the, the title of this podcast episode which is about uh, how GOP candidates treat their campaigns. You can see why the GOP needs to have a strategy. The GOP needs to have a strategy for contacting. So let's move on. So let's move to the next phase, which is building that pledge voter database. 
the first thing I talked about was a contact uh, database where people, you know, you, you meet them while, while out and about. Uh, GOP candidates need to record their information, put that in the database. The next thing that needs to happen, and this is what business owners do, but GOP candidates do not do. The GOP candidate needs to build the pledge voter database. Okay, and the reason why I say that is because today, October 15th, 2021, every GOP candidate should know the number of pledged voters who have committed by either donations or who have committed in in some way, shape, or form. I can't tell you all of Real People USA secret, but they have committed in some way, shape, or form that they will vote for the GOP candidate. Now, the, the next important thing as we talk about building that database, the GOP candidate needs to say, how many votes do I need to win the election? A lot of big city or metro areas have districts that are about between 750 and 800,000 voters. And, uh, you know, so a good strategy for a GOP candidate, depending on this thing called plus nine or, you know, you know, plus something, you know, Republican plus nine or Democrat plus three, you know, some of that stuff matters. A lot of it doesn't matter if the GOP candidate works hard. So let's say the Democrat is in a D plus three district. So that means 53% are predicted to vote for the Democrat and uh, and 47% are predicted to vote for the Republican. So Republicans may say, well, I'm I'm down. I'll be down six points, you know, in terms of uh, winning and I'll just run with that. Hell no, you don't have to run with that stuff. It's your job as a GOP candidate to talk about your platform, especially now with all this craziness going on in the Democrat Party, where the current person in office is trying to wreck the economy for working people, for small business owners and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, children, police officers, uh, you know, people who believe in the Constitution. The current administration is trying to wreck all of that. So forget about the D plus three. You might be in a R plus 10 district just within the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, because there are so many Democrats that are saying, yeah, I, I kind of liked the Democrat way of thinking five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But today in 2020, and especially in 2021, the hell with the Democrats. That's what a lot of Democrats are telling me. In fact, here in California, I will tell you this, that the areas that used to be solid Democrat in California are no longer Democrat. And what one city I can point to or area that I can point to as solid facts, Beverly Hills, California. That's right. The place where all the rich Hollywood people hang out the place where all the, um, you know, everybody likes to shop, everybody likes to do their own thing and be their own person. Well, in the last election, 55% of Beverly Hills residents voted for Donald Trump. 
And I can tell you this, also in San Francisco, where I used to live and party and, and work and, and, and work as a club DJ, I can tell you this, going back 25 years ago, San Francisco was a Republican city. That's right. And now, since the majority of San Francisco residents are deeply offended by what's happening in California, I would, I would tell you right now, if a, if, a, if a Donald Trump type person was running in November of 2021, he or she would win in San Francisco. Uh, just to let people know, and I got off, off the subject a little bit, but I got to get this off my chest. Walgreens is closing all of their drugstores and, and stores in, in, the, in the city of San Francisco because they have a policy here in California that as long as you steal something less than $950, it's a misdemeanor. And that and it's a misdemeanor if the San Francisco Police Department can catch you. And, and a lot of them, they can't catch you because there's not enough of them. And there's so many uh, theft rings going around in San Francisco, in the Castro, in the Market District, in the Embarcadero District, in the Haight-Ashbury District, in the Tenderloin, in the Mission District. There are people literally going from store to store, stealing shopping carts worth of stuff. And you can't tell me that the person who lives in San Francisco who buys something at Walgreens, and I, I imagine CVS is going to be next, or Safeway Supermarkets is going to be next. Uh, you can't tell me that the person has taken out their debit card or cash, and they're getting ready to pay for something at Walgreens for like maybe 50 bucks, and they see person after person with shopping carts or garbage bags filled with stuff that's probably maybe worth like three or four hundred dollars and they're walking out and getting this stuff for free and no one is stopping stopping them the security guard can't stop them because it's against the law or the security guard or the employee can get sued if they stop the shoplifter in San Francisco why I'm saying that the GOP candidate needs to have a, uh, a, a growing pledge voter database. Meaning, if you know that you know 1,700 people are going to vote for you today, if the election was held today, that means next month you need to have 10,000 people, and the next month, which is probably December, you need to have 35,000 people. In January, you need to have 105,000 people, and in March you need to have 235,000 people who are who are who have pledged to vote for you and that's the way you should do it and the reason why i'm saying that's the way you should do it is because that's the way a small business owner would do it a small business owner that only has 10 customers month after month after month when they need something like 50 to to 100 to 200 will go out of business unless they're going to use other sources of income to, to keep the business going, which is a dumb idea. So the Republican candidate needs to have a growing pledged voter database. You need to have that. And then finally, GOP candidates 
need to have some way of communicating with their pledged voters. Just like a small business owner needs to have continuous marketing um, for, for people who are perhaps current customers and, and, a, and a system to reach out to potential new customers, GOP candidates need the same do- doggone thing. See, what I'm seeing as a person, as an outsider, not running, but I'm also seeing this as a person who is working with congressional candidates. I see a major lack of communication, a major lack of effort to be one of the most, you know, 535 most powerful people in the world. That's 100 senators and 435 congresspeople. I see a lack of major effort. I see this effort well. I like the glitz and glamour of running for Congress. I like the, the, the fact that, you know, I can get on Fox News or Newsmax or, uh, you know, God forbid, CNN and get and get raked over the coals. Why would anybody go on CNN anyway? But anyway, I digress with CNN. Republican voters need to put a whole lot of effort in their campaigns. And I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see the platform message. I don't see the uh, the ability to um, grow contacts. I don't see the ability to have a pledged growing uh, database of people who have committed to vote for the Republican candidate. I don't see it. And, uh, and I think for the most part, it may be because the majority of Republican candidates never had a business, you know, and I mean, I'm not saying it can't be fixed or I mean, I'm not saying that the GOP candidate won't ever win because every now and then the GOP candidate does win. Like, I think there was a a victory someplace in either Iowa or uh, South Dakota or some someplace where the GOP candidate uh, beat somebody that needed to be replaced or someone quit or something like that. But when you talk about big city politics, because I believe that was like a small town, but when you talk about big city politics, like, like Atlanta, South Florida, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Arizona, uh, where else? San Diego, Denver, you know, Chicago, Boston, New York. When you're talking big city type uh, politics in terms of running for op- for office. You got to treat this damn thing like a business or else you're, you're going to lose. And yeah, people are saying, well, yeah, I raised a lot of money. Raising a lot of money has its benefits in a way, in, in, a, in a way, if you use it to grow your campaign. But if you're just racking up money for the sense of saying, well, I got $500,000, I got a million dollars donated to me like recently. There was someone in Arizona, I'm not going to mention the name, and yes, it was a Republican. They put out a press release saying that they raised $200,000 in eight weeks. And I'm like BFD, and people know what BFD is. I'm not going to say it on my podcast, <laughs> on the Real People USA podcast, but people know what BFD means. Okay, so what's your, you got $200,000, what's your message? Well, my my message is is I raised $200,000 in eight weeks. That don't mean jack. 
if you know if you don't have a message if you're not growing a, a contact uh, have a contact base if you don't have a growing pledged voter base so what you got two hundred thousand dollars in eight weeks you know so I just wanted to do this podcast episode and it was kind of choppy didn't use any notes I rarely use notes on real people USA podcast where I'm just talking um, but I had to get this out and guess what you know what I know the majority of people who are GOP candidates they may hear this thing and it's gonna go right over their head it's gonna flow like water under a bridge they're gonna say I don't care what Rick at real people USA is talking about I'm doing my damn thing I'm running my campaign like I please And guess what? I just hope people, the American voter, the people that live in these districts, in these districts, do not take an L. And the L stands for a loss. Otherwise, take care. My name is Rick Napier, the founder at Real People USA. You can reach me at 602-805-7000. And if you want to be a guest on the Real People USA uh, podcast, just call me. Send me an email at rpusa at protonmail.com. Go to our website, rpusa.org. Or again, you can call me at 602-805-7000. Take care and make it a great day. Bye-bye.